0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quarantine Talks with Max. Today, we'll be talking about the history of gender. In episode one, we'll do a deep dive into how the word gender came to be and what the word means now. In episode two, uh, we will take a look at gender uh, as an idea and what it means now and how my family thinks about it. This will be a two-part series, and I hope you enjoy Hello, and welcome to episode one of A History of Gender. Today, I will be walking you through the history of gender from its inception to now. So to start off, I'd like to start with a definition of gender so we have a basis to start with uh, as we go through this history. So as the World Health Organization defines it, gender refers to the roles, behaviors, activities, attributes, and opportunities that any society considers appropriate for girls and boys and women and men. So, gender is the social differentiation between man and women, whereas sex, which is its dichotomy, is the biological differentiation between male and female. Sex is determined off biological markers, most clearly genitalia, whereas gender is defined off social construction, if that makes sense. So, Gender is the mental identity to which an individual person associates themselves. So, for example, I will use myself as an example. I am a cisgender male, which means that I, my gender, matches my sex. My gender, a man or a boy, matches my birth sex, which is male. So oftentimes these match up with each other, but oftentimes they don't, which is why the comeuppance of a gender spectrum and the history of gender has been so important for so many people. So we'll touch upon that a little bit in episode two, but now I would like to walk us through the history of gender. So in the early in the early 20th century, uh Gender as a word was only used for grammatical classification between male and female. On filling out official documents and forms, uh, oftentimes uh, the researcher would use the word gender in place of sex. Uh, Filling out censuses, it would say, what gender are you? You would click male or female as opposed to what sex are you. Uh, So... Social scientists also utilize sex, race, ethnicity, sexuality, criminality, and mental illness to help explore biological determinism, which is the belief that all human action is determined by biological factors. So they did not factor gender into this as this idea did not exist. The idea that environmental factors will, uh, will determine your mental state of being in the mid 20th century so we're moving a little forward in time anthropologists and sociologists wrote about quote sex roles and psych- psychologists used quote psychological sex and quote sex role identification to explain a person's social acquaintance with a sex now this word is what gender's come to mean today a psychological sex we can imagine as a identity that is not based on our biological appearance, which is exactly what I explained earlier. My psychological sex, synonym for gender, is a man. I identify with my birth gender, with my birth sex, excuse me. Uh, so the word gender didn't really take off until the 1950s when John Money, a, uh, a researcher for the Johns Hopkins University, uh, published a paper called Hermaphrodism, Gender, and Precocity in Tortism, which introduced the word gender. He argued that gender was influenced by environmental factors as well as biological. He believed that gender was the social aspect of the biological sex. Now, this was interesting. This was the first time that this had been considered, that gender was used for that word. In 1968, a psychoanalyst named Robert Stoller published the first book utilizing the word gender. It was called Sex and Gender. His definition was the particular balance of masculinity and femininity found in each person. Quote, it had psychological or cultural rather than biological connotations. End quote. Now, this is interesting. This is the first time we see gender transforming into the word that we know it now as a almost emotional identity. So when the word gender really transformed uh, was in 1986 when Joan Scott published her paper uh, called Gender, a useful category of historical analysis. Interestingly, this is the most searched paper on JSTOR with 38,000 searches and has been printed over 25,000 times. That just goes to show how influential her paper was. So at the time in 1986, feminists were using the word gender to differentiate social standards from biological sex, which is exactly what I previously explained. Jones' goal in publishing the paper was to rid the academic world of the social belief that women's studies and gender studies were the same thing. Uh, in the world of academia at the time, it was believed that women's studies had ought to be separate than the typical historical analysis because a woman's sexuality played so greatly into history that it had to be studied on its own. Now, this is incredibly sexist With incredibly sexist within it of itself, because that would mean that uh, men were void of all sexuality and it, and men uh, and their sexuality had nothing to do with the progression of history, which is completely false. So Joan's goal was to uh, provide academia with a more neutral term for the studying of sexuality and identity in a historical sense. She, quote, she wanted to, quote, reinvigorate feminist history by stand- by expanding its realm of influence, end quote. So when Scott published this paper, she faced a lot of backlash. Joan Hoff, a woman's historian, uh, said Scott, quote, erased women as a category of historical analysis. Now, this line is harsh, uh, which is, in a sense, what Scott was trying to do. She was trying to bring um, a new light into women's analysis, into a historical analysis of history by analyzing how identity plays a role, rather than how women play a role. In the late '80s, papers about quote women's world and the history of quote female cultures diminished greatly, being replaced instead by gender's role in society in in history. Scott made the word gender mean more than it had ever meant before. It now meant the cultural understanding of sex and its impact on history, and had a strong foundation behind it. People could now cite Scott's paper and use the word gender without the fear of the word being ripped apart. She set the foundation for the permanent pedestal of gender. Her studies, interestingly, took a turn in the 2000s. She believed that gender had become a, quote, synonym for women and for the difference between the sexes, for sex, end quote. She turned her focus from gender, writing instead about, quote, the differences between the sexes and about sex as a historically variable concept, end quote. Now this is interesting. This speaks to her belief that gender isn't something that can be historically proven or scientifically proven, but sex is. Um... It is undeniable that she broadened the scope of historical study to everything. She allowed the lenses of historical analysis to be put upon a mass variety of people. Um, And this is why she is so important in the history of gender. So that is all I have to say about the history of gender. And in the next episode, we'll touch upon what gender means now. Hello and welcome to episode two of a history of gender. In this episode, I'm sitting down with my sister uh, to explore how gender uh, works in the 21st century. Uh, so, Sammy, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, my name's Sammy. Um, I'm 15 and I'm a freshman at Beaver.
0: Awesome, so if you were to define the word gender to you, what do you think the word means? Um, you can say whatever, whatever is on your mind.
1: I think it's just a, a way people choose to express themselves.
0: That's almost exactly what the word means. Uh, according to the Google definition, uh, gender is either of the two sexes, male or female, especially when considered with reference to social and cultural differences rather than biological ones. So I explained in my previous episode that sex is the difference between male and female biologically gender. is the difference between men and women more abstractly. So recently, uh, gender As an idea, a lot of people believe it has come too far. Piers Morgan, for example, uh, a British talk show host, believes that uh, gender as an idea should not encompass, let's say, 100 genders, as Britain formally recognizes, I think, 86 genders. So do you think there should be uh, 86 genders?
1: Well, I mean, if people are identifying as those say 86 genders and if one person feels that they don't like feel included in one of those 86 then maybe there should be more like I don't think there should be a limit on how people choose to express themselves I think that's a little like I don't know I just don't think that they should not be able to express themselves in the way they want because there are too many of them or something like that
0: yeah I I agree with you there's an interesting theory that uh that Nancy Cott brings up, and it's that people feel a desire to associate with a group, um, and a lack of gender groups makes people feel left out. So when I was younger, I was always confused with why there had to be so many names for gender. Why can it not just be a spectrum, and I can pick a point somewhere along its spectrum and be in that spot? And the reason is because a lot of people feel like they need to associate with a group. And it's better for society if they do associate with that group. Um, which in turn has a lot of can bring up a lot of confusion for a lot of people. Piers Morgan brings up the fact that a child who might be confused about his gender identity will look through a list of 86 genders and will have a very hard time picking a gender that he associates with. So do you think there's an issue with that?
1: Well, I think it's all about like educating your children and trying to get them to understand that they might not fit into one of these 86 categories, but they might be able to make their own or something like that. I think that, like you said, we're in the 21st century. People should be able to choose how they identify as long as they're not harming anybody or themselves within that um, identification. Then I think it's okay for them to choose.
0: So, thank you. Another very interesting aspect and controversial aspect of gender is how people who express themselves with different genders can identify uh, when it comes to pronouns and how other people will call them. So, when people do identify as they, them pronouns, do you think they have a right to make other people call them they, them?
1: I think you can request. I know quite a few people who have asked me to use they them pronoun pronouns for them. And it is hard to make like the shift and it's harder to just think about that every time you're trying to say something about that person. But I think that if you associate with them you should you should be helping them through this and not make it harder and more difficult for them. So I think that if they ask, you should try. I don't think they should get mad at you if you mess up or anything like that, but I think you should at least try.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very interesting and um, I, I completely agree with that. There's a, uh, a Canadian professor, his name is Jordan Peterson, and he, um, he believes that the government has no right to tell him what he has to call people, um, which do you think the government has a right? to pass legislation that would make it illegal to purposefully call people by pronouns they don't want.
1: I think this goes back to the choice thing. Like I think everyone should have a choice in whether or not they want to like participate in this. If you don't want to, I think you should just like leave that person alone completely because you're obviously not positively impacting their life or their choices. I don't think there should be uh, like hard law about it. Maybe not yet because it's like still quite early with all this stuff. But I'm still leaning it's all about this choice. Like they should have the choice on whether or not they want to participate in doing that with their person or doing like calling them that with the person that asked them.
0: Yeah, that's a very that's a very good outlook, Sammy. Um, so to finish this off, um, I think that gender uh, has not stopped evolving uh, since the 50s. It has not stopped and will not stop evolving as a word and how we as humans interact with it. Um, but, Sammy, where do you think, what do you think the future of gender looks like?
1: Um, that's a hard question. I think it's progressed so much in the last, like sort of just in my lifetime, and I've like grown up watching it. Uh, progress but hmm, that's a hard question um
0: so to clarify do you think more people will identify with different genders when they're older like both me and you are we're cisgendered which means like we identify with our birth gender do you think there will be less people like that more people like that do you think people will be more comfortable with their identities less comfortable
1: yeah i think like you said i think it's a comfort thing i don't know if more or less people are going to like um put themselves into those categories but i think it's just those people who are already in those categories are just going to feel more comfortable like expressing themselves in those ways just from what i've seen in even just like the past five years and how much it's progressed so i think it just the like comfortability comfortability of it all is going to change
0: awesome okay sammy thank you for coming on the podcast Um, I'm going to end episode two right here and thank you all for listening.